It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be an amazing show. I'll be introducing my guests shortly, and I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. It will be terrific. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I will do this every single week. During the last two weeks, I had the experience of watching a friend battle an addiction in person, and it was really difficult to watch. In every other respect, this guy's a really fantastic friend, and he's got a lot going for him. But when the struggle involves alcohol, drugs, gambling, or whatever form it takes, it has the capacity to ruin everything a person has built to that point in their lives. Fortunately, my friend has agreed to get help, and he's doing great right now. If you or anyone you know has an addiction to alcohol, for example, you can easily search online to find the nearest local chapter of AA and find meetings to attend. This show is about achieving success, and it's really hard to be at your best when something this powerful has a grip on you. It can affect your career, your relationships, and even your living situation. I don't normally get quite this serious on my show, but I felt moved to say something about this today. If this resonates with you or anyone you love, please get the help you need. You will be so very glad you did. With all this in mind, I want to introduce my guest. And before I forget, let me give you the call-in number in case you'd like to call in and participate in today's discussion. That number is 866 404 6519. Once again, that's 866-404-6519. My guest this week is Michael Drew, and let me tell you a little bit about him. Since the age of 19, Michael Drew has become a leading book marketer in the publishing industry, propelling some 80-plus books onto the national bestseller list, including the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and the New York Times, and garnering over 1,000 number one rankings for books on Amazon through his Promote uh, a Book services. Uh, Michael is the co-author of the book Pendulum and has a marketing agency that strives to build strong and real relationships with his clients and their audiences and increasing sales in a natural manner. Michael has presented the Pendulum Theory on stage with and for the Dalai Lama, Sir Richard Branson, Stephen Covey, and privately for the executive committee at Franklin Covey. Michael has also helped writers and authors, thought leaders, speakers, and entrepreneurs build a platform for their writing and their message so they can expand their audience and adapt to social shifts. As society continues to shift, Michael has expanded his promote, uh, promoted book services to include consulting and planning on everything from uh, internet distribution and uh, website building to create videos, book trailers, podcasting, and more. Regarding his book, Pendulum, we will discuss how his research spanning the last 3,000 years has helped create a thoroughly documented theory of societal patterns and behaviors that make the future predictable. We will discuss all of this and so much more on today's show. With all of this in mind, here is my guest, Michael Drew. Michael, are you there? I'm here. How are you, Brian? I'm doing fantastic. Good. 
I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It's a pleasure and an honor to have you here, my friend. It's my true, it's my true pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. That's great. Well, you and I met in San Diego at Greg Reed's uh, movie premiere for Thick and Grow Rich, Thick Ability, and I had a chance to interview you on the red carpet, and, and we had a really amazing short little interview, and it's one of the reasons why I wanted to invite you back, uh, or have you on the show anyway, and uh, you did a really amazing presentation based on your book, Pendulum, and we'll talk about Pendulum for a good share of the hour here. The first thing I always do ask people first off, though, Michael, is to have people give their backstory. What is it that brought you to where you are now? How did you start? What did you overcome? What did you learn? And how did your journey evolve to where you are right now? That's a, that's a fun question to ask. Uh, when, my, uh, when I introduced my girlfriend to my mother and my grandmother, my grandmother told her, she said, you know that Michael, he's always had money. You know, when he was six years old, he used to go um, on his way home from school and pick the neighbor's flowers and sell them back to him as bouquets. He, he'll always have money. Um, so you know, when I was six, I, I did that until I got until the uh, neighbor stopped 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 me by telling my my mom, and and she stopped me from doing that. When I was nine, uh, I come from a large Mormon family out of Provo, Utah, and when I was nine. My mom, uh, my, my dad, who is a professor of literature at Brigham Young University, uh, didn't have the funds to buy a school clothes for the year, all eight of us. And so, I'm getting back to it. Uh, right, so uh, I wanted to do school clothes. My dad couldn't afford it, so I went to BYU Housing and started doing odd jobs, like taking out the trash and uh, cleaning the uh, uh, the uh, apartments are uh, vacuuming and, and clean windows and those kinds of things. Also, cleaning telegrams and whatnot. Okay. If you get that. But anyway, um, so I, I did that uh, from the age of nine until 16. And what I found is that I could personally make about $100 an hour uh, cleaning lazy college kids' housing. And then I decided that, you know, I could make more money if I had other kids working for me. So by the time I was 12, in the summer, I had between eight and 12 other kids working for, for me, making several hundred thousand dollars for the summer. When I was uh, 18, I left home, ran away, moved to Bellingham, Washington, became um, homeless, sold drugs. Uh, I was bored and uh, wanted to do something more for my life. Moved back to Utah, became a manager at a Burger King. I uh, uh, got married at the ripe old age of uh, 19, and my um, wife at the time said I was too smart to manage a Burger King and that I had to get a different job. So I just got a job working for a company out of South Provo called Executive Excellence, which was a division of the Covey Leadership Center before it merged with Franklin and became Franklin Covey. And I was selling a magazine called Executive Excellence to uh, the two executives at companies. And in three months, I became the number three salesperson, which is only significant because the number one, two, and then four and five salespeople had been there for five plus years and were, new, were simply renewing subscriptions. I came in as this young kid and was simply at the age of 19 getting kids. Uh, I was and Ken Shelton was given the magazine Executive Excellence by Stephen Covey, and his uh, reason, his claim for that was that he said that he was the ghostwriter of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what he stated. 
And Ken came to me and he said, hey, Mike, you know, we publish all these great business authors in our magazines. Um, uh, you know, why don't we start publishing their books? And as a young, naive 19-year-old, I'm like, sure, why not? And so that's exactly what we did. And I failed miserably working for Executive Excellence for about a year. But I impressed some fairly important people in the book publishing industry, and uh, especially a woman by the name of Miriam Bass. Miriam was the sales rep for um, our distributor, National Book Network. And she was also the sales rep for another publisher out of Austin, Texas called Bard Press, B-A-R-D Press. And Bard had just come off with a huge success um, called uh, by Jackie and uh, Kevin Freiberg called Nuts, Southwest Airlines Crazy Recipe for Success, and was looking for someone to come in and handle PR. And Miriam had recommended this young kid out of Utah who was 20 years old by the name of Michael Drew, me. And Ray Bard, the owner of Bard Press, interviewed me. And the first day on the job, um, Ray said to me, um, uh, he interviewed me, he, Ray hired me. And the first day on the job, Ray said to me, Michael, we publish business authors. What our authors want more than anything else in the world is to be a New York Times bestselling author. What I want you to do is go figure out how the New York Times bestseller list works. So as a young uh, 20-year-old, I'm like, sure, I can do that. And that's exactly what I did. I went out and I, I learned how the book industry worked. And the very first book I worked on for Ray Bard was by a gentleman by the name of Roy H. Williams. He's known as the Wizard of Ads. And I worked on his book, Secret Formulas of the Wizard of Ads. And we launched the book to number three on the New York Times and number one on the Wall Street Journal bestsellers list. And that became the first of my currently 79 New York Times bestselling books for my clients. And... Anyway, so um, I worked on that book and started developing relationships with people in the book industry, people at the Wall Street Journal, people like Bob Hughes, who used to compile the Wall Street Journal. Um, he used to gather the data and compile the list. And Bob is now a, a, a founding member of, of my company, uh, Promote a Book and Smarter Voice. Um, uh, better than Bob and other people and really figured out how, the, how to sell a book. And I also determined at that point um, why authors, specifically nonfiction authors, write their books. And what I, what I was able to determine and ascertain is that it's never about the book. It's about the objective of the author. The author is using the book in some context to accomplish something bigger than themselves. Be it, uh, well, you know, if you eliminate fear as the motivating factor, people are motivated by one of three things. Fame, fortune, or making a difference, or some combination of the, of the three. And their business objectives are always in alignment with one of, with whatever their primary underlying psychological motivation is. So it's one determining which of those three factors is the primary goal. And secondarily, from a business objective standpoint, what is the book? How can the book help them accomplish their business objectives? And then matching the marketing and bestseller campaigns to the business objectives of those business owners. So I worked. At Bard Press for three and a half years, I moved over as the publisher uh, over at Longstreet Press for an imprint that they had for a year, moved over to Entrepreneur Press, which, was, which is a division of Entrepreneur Magazine, was the co-publisher with a gentleman by the name of Jerry Calmes for a year. And when I worked at Entrepreneur, we did 33 books. And we sold, on average, about 5,000 books. Uh, 5,000 copies of each of those books, which is a, a significant number of books. The average book doesn't sell in its lifetime 5,000 copies, let alone 5,000 copies in a year. So, you know, we, we did well. Right. But what I, what I found out was that the types of books that Entrepreneur Press published 
were the kind where the authors didn't have the platform to get their books on the bestsellers list. And at that point, I had uh, seven, 18 New York Times bestsellers working at Bard Press and Longstreet Press. And so I, I guess I got the entrepreneurial spirit after doing the one book, An Entrepreneur, that I made the bestseller and left and started my own company. Um, that was 11 That's years great. ago. Now, the interesting thing is that that was 11 years ago. Um, and since then, I've been able to put in, I've been able to put additional 60 books on the bestsellers list. And the agency that we launched was a thought leadership platform building agency. So there you have it. That's great. We are coming up against our first break. My very special guest this week is Michael Drew. We will talk about his book, Pendulum, right after the race. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio, and we'll be back with more right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Did you know you can quickly grow your business online and offline for free? SmartGuy.com is one of the fastest growing business networks in the world. Managing over 600 city business networks from Los Angeles, California to the country of Bahrain. In just a minute or two, you can add your business and be quickly listed in their global business directory, local business networks, and get a free web page that can actually rank on top of major search engines in as little as one to two weeks. No kidding. Simply go to www.smartguy.com. Fill out your company information and you're set. So add your business for free and find out why everyone loves a smart guy. Smartguy.com. At Solovey, we think a person's voice is the most powerful form of marketing, so that's what we want to invest in. While other companies spend billions on traditional marketing, we reward you for sharing Solovey with your connections. We began with a simple idea. A single relationship has the power to make life better for many people. We took this idea and turned it into a company that can make commerce less expensive and even profitable for everyone. We started with mobile phone service because it's something all of us already use, and it's the technology connecting us every day. We put you in charge of what you pay for mobile service. Service. And simply making the switch to Solovey is the first step to spending less. $49 a month for unlimited voice, text, and data. But it gets even better. You can earn money just for sharing Solovey with others. As your network of connections grows, both through your actions and the actions of each person who joins because of you, you can quickly be paying nothing for your mobile service and even make a profit every month. Visit us online at www.social-commerce-now.com to learn more and join the Solovey revolution. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is author and publisher Michael Drew. And Michael, you co-wrote a book called Pendulum. What inspired you to write this book? Well, what's interesting is, um, you know, I mentioned that uh, Roy H. Williams, The Wizard of Ads, was my first best-selling uh, author. He actually became my mentor over the last 16 years 
wow, it's been <laughs> I get, uh, 15 years. I'm turning 35 later this month. So it's been a, a long journey for me, but uh, he's, he's been my mentor. And uh, we were in New York at Book Expo America uh, 10 years ago. And Roy said to me, he said, you know, Michael, the winners and losers in life are determined when the teams are picked. There are two teams that are essential to your success. First are the team of people who pick you to be on their team. And second, uh, the second team are the people who you pick to be on your team. And I've been very fortunate to have been picked both by Ray Bard, uh, Bard Press, who's a legend in, in business book publishing, and Roy Williams to be on their teams, as well as a number of other people like Ivan Meisner and uh, some other really great um, thought leaders in the world. But um, Roy became a, a mentor of mine, and he owns the fourth largest ad agency in North America for buying radio. He's actually a legend in radio, in, in advertising. Uh, he's been behind some of the top uh, ads ever to face the, the planet, um, both TV and radio. And just to give you a, a quick example of that, there are about 20,000 uh, stores in North America that sell, that sell diamond jewelry. Roy has 43 mm-hmm. clients that sell, that sell uh, diamonds, and those 43 clients represent almost 40% of all diamonds sold in North America. So he's, a, he's, a, I mean, he's very wow. good at what he does, and he's, he's, a, he's a living legend uh, in, aver- in, in marketing and advertising. If you're in the field of marketing or advertising, I highly recommend looking up his series, The Wizard of Ads Trilogy, The Wizard of Ads, Secret Formulas of the Wizard of Ads, and Magical Worlds of the Wizard of Ads. So he owns a huge advertising agency. I own the most successful book marketing agency in the world. And as marketers and advertisers, we want to give our clients a competitive advantage. Well, how do you do that? Uh, well, there, there's a few different ways, but the, the biggest of which is being able to do two things. One, anticipate what your customers want before they know they want it. And two, be able to anticipate what your customers want before your competitors know that they want that. So we looked at science and we said, how do we, how do we reasonably predict what our customers want before they know that? know that they want it. And in science, there's something called chaos theory. Chaos theory states that there are patterns larger than what the left hemisphere of the brain can comprehend. Uh, and so, um, and this is true both from a, a micro and a macro standpoint, whether we look at quantum mechanics or we look at the theory of relativity, there's simply these patterns larger than what, what, what we comprehend. There's a poem by Robert Frost that goes something like, the people along the sand all turn and look one way. They turn their back on the land and stare at the sea all day. As long as it takes to pass, the ship keeps raising its hull. The wetter ground like glass reflects a silent goal. Now, the land may vary more, but whatever the case may be, the water comes to the shore and the people stare at the sea. Now, they cannot look up far and they cannot look in deep, but when was it ever a bar to any watch of the keep? That poem was discussing the chaotic system known as the ocean. The reason people are drawn to the ocean is because of a conflict between the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere of the brain. The left hemisphere of the brain is like a black and white television. This is where we experience the world. The left hemisphere of the brain is created to filter out non-essential information. The universe is trying to bombard us with an infinite amount of data that our brain simply cannot comprehend. And so what happens is the left hemisphere of the brain's goal is to filter out non-essential information. The right hemisphere of the brain is where our imagination, our dreams, our desires live. The right hemisphere of the brain has no rules. It's like a big, giant, colorful bubble of shapes and sounds and sights, and, and every, every possible thing lives in the right hemisphere of the brain. 
Um, and there's no ethics, there's no morals, there's no right, or, or there's no wrong. It's, it's simply pattern recognition. So what happens is um, the right hemisphere of the brain sees the pattern, the chaotic system in the ocean. And it's therefore drawn mm. to that chaotic system. The left hemisphere of the brain sees the, the pattern and says, this is too much data. If I let the brain process that data, then the, it will actually, the, the data will actually melt the brain. And so the left hemisphere stops us from seeing that what pattern is going on in the ocean. So it's th this conflict between left and right hemisphere of the brain that, that attracts us to the, o that, that attracts us to the ocean. Well, if, uh, and chaotic systems exist throughout all, uh, throughout uh, all of nature. So if, if that's true in nature, why would that not be true of mankind? Uh, Blackie Sherrod, the famous sports writer from the Chicago Tribune, stated, the reason history must repeat itself is because we pay so little attention to it the first time. And in the Book of Solomon, King, King David said, the thing that has been is that which shall be, and that which shall be is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything wherever it may be said? See, this is new. It has already been of old time, which was before us. So Roy and I, as advertisers and marketers, we said, you know what? If this is true in science, and if Solomon and Blackie Schrott are right, there should be a pattern in the way society changes its mindset in a predictable fashion. If we can determine what that cycle is, then we can figure out where we are in the cycles and we can reasonably predict where culture and society is headed. And it's, it, it, and I say culture and society um, for us as marketers, because that's, what's important. Selling is mm -hmm. done one-to-one -one or one to few marketing is done one to many. So where culture is and where it's headed has a direct impact on the marketing and marketing message that we create for our customers. So Roy and I went back and researched both qualitatively and quantitatively the last 3,000 years of recorded Western civilization looking for a pattern in the way society changes its mindset. And what we found both startled and scared us. We thought we'd find it in some general movement what we found was that human beings are not the unique snowflakes that we would like to pretend that uh, pretend to be. That we are in fact exceptionally predictable, and that we we repeat the same patterns over and over and over again. And what we found was that society changes every forty years from a cycle of me about the individual, about freedom, and about self-expression to a cycle of we about the community, about doing what's best for society as a whole. And we switch back and forth between a me cycle to a we cycle and then a we cycle back to a me cycle every 40 years. Hmm. So let me ask you a question. Uh, you talk about a me cycle and a we cycle. You briefly define them. What are some of the, the characteristics of a me cycle and some of the characteristics of a we cycle and how do some of those uh, characteristics manifest themselves in our society. So in a me cycle, it's about big dreams. It's about freedom. It's about self-expression. In a we cycle, it's about community. It's about doing what's best for society as a whole. In a we cycle, it's not about big dreams like it is in a me cycle. It's about small actions. It's not about going to the moon. Rather, it's about going across the street 
and giving that poor homeless guy something to eat. So in a me, it's an individual. Mm. In a we cycle, it's about community. Hmm. Okay. So what, what cycle do you think we are in now? Well, based upon our research, we are now 10 years into the upswing of a we cycle. So we call it pendulum because it describes the forces that move our world um, and it swings like a pendulum. You've got 20 years up in a cycle, 20 years down, 20 years up and 20 years down uh, going the other direction. So just to give you a quick illustration of why we're in a we cycle today, the last we cycle started back in 1923. In, in the 1920s, of course, uh, if you listen to music, we long for a better day. We, of course, like we do today, saw a recession that started about six years into the uh, the last we cycle. As we moved into the 1930s, uh, we see the uh, we we see FDR's New Deal. We see a crackdown on alcohol and tobacco with prohibition as we bring people together in a we cycle. It's about doing what's best for society as a whole. So alcohol and tobacco create criminality and addiction and other things. So we have to outlaw that. And as we further progress into the 1930s, we see the United States get involved in World War II, uh, doing what's best for society as a whole. Uh, And again, it's about bringing together society as a whole. Now, what happens psychologically is we always take a good thing too far. The beautiful thing about a we is it's doing what's best for society as a whole. But when we take we too far, we become a society that is highly regimented and highly conformed. So from 1933 to uh, 1923 to 1943, we were in a, we were in the upswing of a we. By 1943, we're 24 full years into a we cycle. And by then we become a society that is highly regimented and highly conformed. And we are, we enter into a, we, we've entered into a micro cycle that we call I'm okay. I'm okay. You're screwed up or the witch hunt cycle. Um, and that, that witch hunt cycle was from 1933 to 1953. So it's t- from 10 years in the upswing to 10 years in the downswing of a we cycle. And uh, we call it the witch hunt cycle because every witch hunt in the, history of mankind has always happened in this 20-year uh, we cy- uh, microcycle of I'm okay, you're screwed up. The Salem witch trials mm-hmm. happened there, uh, of course, 80 years ago in Europe. You had Mussolini, Stalin, and Hitler, and the atrocities that happened in, in Europe. We had 80 years ago in the same 20-year time frame, we had Joseph McCarthy in the United States and Japanese intern camps. 80 years before that, you had the Civil War and the Second French Revolution. Eighty years before that, you had the American Revolution, Bloody Mary, the Spanish Inquisitions, the Crusades. Every witch hunt in the history of mankind has happened in this 20-year time frame. Wow, and we are coming up against our next break. This is so fascinating. I look forward to picking this up again after the break. I am with Michael Drew today. We're discussing his book, Pendulum. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. This is a great discussion. There will be implications that we will talk about later in the show about what this means for us as a society and as marketers of salespeople. Stay with us. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. 
This is Success Profiles Radio, and we'll be back with more right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Saving Solutions innovative double green plan enables you to switch to energy efficient LEDs and other modern lighting with no upfront cost. Modern LEDs are far more efficient than other types of lighting, but for many businesses, schools, and nonprofit organizations, the reason for sticking with the old inefficient lighting is the cost of replacing them. While an old fashioned incandescent bulb may cost a dollar, LED costs $30 or more, and that's why Energy Saving Solutions has designed our double green plan. Double green allows you to convert to LEDs with no upfront pocket cost. We'll pay for your new lights and you'll pay us back with a percentage of your savings. From the very first day that your new LEDs are lighting your life, you'll realize a positive cash flow and you'll be doing something positive for our environment. For a free cost and energy savings analysis, call Joshua May at 888-620-8133, extension 7082, or visit us online at www.energysavingindustry.com. and motivation every Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Learn how to maximize your mojo and just say no to the status quo. Get inspired and motivated by a fun-loving coach who knows what it's like to get through this thing called life. With your high on life coach, Audra Irwin, each Friday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time and 12 noon Eastern, right here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Michael Drew. We are discussing his book, Pendulum. And we're taking a tour back through history, and we are talking about the pendulum of history swinging in 40-year cycles, alternating between a me cycle and a we cycle. And we were talking about the 20s, 30s, and 40s and how we were in um, a, a, a we cycle uh, from 33 on and we're at that point in history. So, so Michael, uh, c- continue with that. I mean, uh, yeah, so, 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 so to be clear, the, the last that, we cycle that era that really caused us to galvanize together. Yeah, totally. So, from ni- the last we cycle was 1923 to 1963. So, um, 1923 to 1933 were the first ten years in the upswing of the the we cycle. Starting in 1933 was the beginning of the mic- a twenty year micro cycle called "I'm Okay, You're Screwed Up" or the witch hunt cycle. That mm-hmm. micro cycle was 1933 to ni- 1953. So 1923 to 1933 was 10 years up. 1933 to 1943 w- was your 11 through your 20 on the upswing of the we cycle. And smack in the middle of the I'm okay, you're screwed up, which on cycle. From 1943 to 1953, we are 10 years into the downswing of a we cycle. 
the youth of society are starting to reject this mentality of high regimentation and high conformity, and they start to reject the witch hunt, uh, the witch hunt mindset. And we start to see that the, the youth of society started to become mainstream um, in the rejection, rejection of this mentality in 1953. You see what happens 10 years before the tipping point, the beginning of a new cycle. We always see alphas emerge in literature and technology. And alpha is someone that is a predictor of what's going to, be, of what's going to happen in the upcoming cycle. So in 1953, we see the release of uh, publications like a Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger, in which the main character, Holden Caulfield, is rejecting his family, is rejecting his school, is rejecting his government, and most of all is rejecting his society. You also see the, you also see the release of a book by, uh, by Jack Kerouac called On the Road. Jack Kerouac, of course, is attributed as the father of the beatnik generation. Most major musicians of the 60s and 70s attribute Jack Kerouac as a major inspiration for the music that they wrote. And On the Road was a largely autobiographical book about Jack Kerouac's drug-induced adventures through middle-century America. He essentially was holding Caulfield, um, breaking away from the bands of regimentation conformity that existed in the, 19, in the 1950s in that we cycle. And then um, you also see in 1953 the release of a little magazine. And this magazine was – it was a men's magazine. It was, uh, it was a, a, an exclusive magazine that was meant to be sophisticated, dealing with all men's issues. And it was um, meant to be about lifestyle. So when Hugh Hefner released Playboy, it was not meant to be a work of porn. The first uh, – between 1953 to 1960 – there were less than uh, a dozen images, actual photography of top frontal nudity. There was drawn nudity, but there was very little actual nudity in the magazine because it wasn't meant to be about nudity. It was about lifestyle. Playboy was, a, was meant to be the voice of the emerging generation. And in the 1950s, you had people like John Updike and others who wrote Pulitzer-nominated articles in Playboy. In 1957... Um, Playboy. Uh, there was a show called Playboy TV that was the it was the first uh, show uh, on TV that was the first. De- I think it was on CBS. It was the first desegregated TV show. In 1958, Playboy allowed these musical artists from this new form of mu- music called rock and roll, like the Beatles and Elvis and 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 others, write articles for Playboy. They were Playboy was was becoming the voice of the emerging me generation. In 1958, we also see alphas emerge in music, as I mentioned a moment ago. And the um, um, Chuck Berry was the real innovator of rock and roll, but in 1950s America, our society was too racist to allow a black man to be the purveyor of our next type of music. So we had to find a white man to sing a black man's music, and of course we found him in um, Elvis Presley. Um, and then we hit 1963, the beginning of the last me cycle. In a me cycle, it's about freedom. It's about self-expression. It's about looking and feeling good. It is about the big dream. It is, as JFK said in 1961, when he became an alpha, when he stated that, he, that his goal was to put a man on the moon before this decade was out. And that's exactly what we in the United States did is put a man on the moon and the in the space war with um, or space race with the Russians. 
1963, we also see the release of the Beatles' first album, A Hard Day's Night. And, of course, they released a, a movie at the same time, which was uh, over-the-top de- depiction of the Beatles' life being chased by fans. And the ni- in between 1963 to 1973 was a 10-year upswing into a, me- into a me cycle. By 1973, we're moving into... By the way, between 1953 to 1973, we were in a 20-year microcycle of... We call it the rainbows and unicorns cycle. I'm okay... You're okay, so you know. Let's let's just love each other and 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 work together. But by 1973, we're fully ten years into the last me cycle. We start to take, as we always do, psychologically as human beings, take a good thing too far. And when you take me too far, you become a society that is plastic, that is phony, essentially a society of posers. And starting in 1973 to 1993, we were in a cycle of I'm screwed up, you're okay, or what we call the guru worship cycle and what's interesting is and playboy is a good example of this playboy moved perfectly uh with the movement into me from 1953 to 1963 it was about content and about lifestyle and as me started to go started going too far playboy went right along with it in fact what most people don't realize is that playboy did not have any full frontal nudity until 1973, the very first year that we move into the I'm screwed up, you're okay mindset of guru worship, of becoming plastic and funny and fake. And we move, and, and we move further into that cycle. And by 1983, we're 20 years into the upswing at the zenith, the height of a me cycle. And of course, back in, the, in 1983, we saw the release of Michael Jackson's biggest album, Thriller. We saw uh, Madonna release her first album, because in the 80s, we really were living in, in a material world, and she was our, our material a girl. All sorts, of, uh, all sorts of other great music that illustrated uh, the, the taking me too far. I think you mentioned um, Duran Duran uh, earlier and Cindy Lauper on our, on our break, both uh, who released songs and albums that illustrated that we were living in a very plastic, phony world. Well... Again, when you move in, into that cycle um, of taking me too far, where, where we become plastic and funny, the youth of society, again, begin to reject that mentality and become the gravity that pulls us back down the other way. And by 1993, we saw alphas emerge, again, like in 1953, alphas emerge in literature and technology that would predict what it would be like in this current we cycle. Only that in 1993 our technology um, and literature appeared together. In 1993, American Online went public. And contrary to what Al Gore said, American Online was the real purveyor or inventor of the internet. Uh, In the 1990s, we can all remember receiving the uh, AOL disks in our serial boxes, on airplanes, in the mail. You'll get 500 minutes, 1,000 minutes, 2,000 minutes, 4,000 minutes, whatever they were. Also, if you think back to the late 80s, early 90s, the youth were, um, were in love with two forms of music that I would say were real raw and relevant. Back in the uh, late 80s, you had, uh, in the early 90s, you had the birth of gangster rap. You had uh, groups like NWA, Snoop Dogg, Dr. J, Eazy-E, Ice Cube, all ta- uh, uh, Snoop Dogg, all talking about what it was like growing up uh, as a young uh, minority in the ghettos and how bad life was. 
But at the same time, in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, you had bands like Nine Inch Nails who released their, their, their first album, Pretty Hate Machine, or Nirvana uh, releasing Nevermind as they birthed the, um, the grunge movement in which uh, middle American uh, white kids talked about being um, what, what it was like growing up in, in apathetic households with their, with their parents not caring about them. So we can see this movement of the youth rejecting the mindset of the uh, me cycle and becoming more we. And as we move into this, the, the downswing of the, the, of the um, me cycle from 1993 until uh, this past year, 2013, we were in a 20-year micro, micro cycle of I'm screwed up, you're screwed up. And we see this again when you look at our musical alpha that came out in 1998, just like, uh, just like in 1958, our society in 1998 was still too racist to allow a black man to be the purveyor of our next kind of music. But we had to find someone like Chuck Berry or Elvis Presley to, um, to, to sing a black man's music. And we found him in the music of Eminem who released, who started releasing his albums in 1998, in 98, Eminem said about about his alter ego, Slim Shady, that he was the evil foul mouth, foul mouth side of me. And since then, he's won um, eight, uh, eight Grammys and an Academy Award for the music that he wrote for Eight Mile. And then we moved into right. 2003. That was the tipping point, the beginning of the current we cycle that we're in today. And we start to see an expression of this. We cycle. Now, one thing I didn't mention uh, earlier in the presentation is that once you hit year zero, the tipping point in either cycle, it takes about six years for society as a whole to adopt the new mindset. So we, we start to see the we movement with the youth going mainstream around 2003. We can remember that back in the early uh, 2000s, we, we see the release of movies like Fight Club uh, we see uh, reality TV go mainstream with a Donald Trump show uh, as well as Survivor and others as we move into a we cycle where our currencies, our authenticity, and what we demand is that things stay real, raw, and relevant. Okay. That's great. And we're coming up against our final break. We will come right back after the break to discuss implications for the future and the whole pendulum uh, discussion. We'll be right back. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio, and we'll be back with more right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Looking for the perfect destination in Costa Rica, Panama, or Thailand? Concerned about the economy and looking for an escape plan? Then you need to go to escapeartist.com and learn how you can live, work, invest, retire, or do business overseas. Escape Artist has the perfect plan for you. Join our 400,000 readers and get your free subscription to Escape from America magazine. Visit www.escapefromamerica.com and create your escape plan right now.
history, there has never been anything that can compare to home movies. But now, in this modern era, where do you turn for the best information? Right here. It's the Home Movie Legacy Project, hosted by Rhonda Vigent. Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Learn how to organize, digitize, share on social media, use this genealogy research, repurpose or even monetize found footage. Discover ways to find films about your own family that you didn't even know existed. Or create a documentary that can use the power of home movies to deliver a message that can impact the lives of many. For more on Rhonda and the show, go to our website, homemovielegacy.com. Then be here as the journey continues with the Home Movie Legacy Project with Rhonda Vigent. Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Michael Drew. He co-authored a book called Pendulum, and we've been spending our time uh, retracing history in 40-year cycles, as uh, Michael's uh, research suggests. Our, our society tends to repeat its history about every 40 years or so, and we are just about up to the current day, and I want to spend the rest of the time talking about where this takes us now and where this could take us in the future. So as I was saying before the break, we, um, it, it takes about six years for society as a whole to adopt a new mindset. So some might in the United States look at the election of George Bush to his second term as not in, in, in alignment with the uh, movement from B2B. But the reality is that, um, that the, the second election of Bush or even the first election of Bush isn't indicative of the new cycle but more indicative of the previous me cycle. What is interesting is if you look back at the – uh, first, uh, if you look back at 2007, 2008, the first election where Obama won, that is a perfect, a perfect example of the movement from me to we. Um, if you, uh, Roy and I uh, were able to predict who was going to win in 2007 before the primaries based upon the, the elimination of the name of the major candidates for both parties. On the, Repub- on the Democratic side, you had a feminist. And you had a, a community organizer. Um, and remember, in a we cycle, it's not about big dreams. It's about small actions. It's not about going to the moon. It's about going across the street and giving that poor homeless guy something to, to eat. It's about coming together for the common good, and it's about the community. So if you look at the Democratic ticket back in uh, 2007, you had a feminist and a community organizer. And, of course, a feminist would work well in a me cycle and a community organizer would work well in a we cycle. So we selected uh, the community organizer on the Democratic side. On the Republican side, you had three major candidates. You had Mr. Plastic, who was exceptionally wealthy, came from a perfect family, had a perfect family at home, beautiful kids, um, and just looked like his life was too perfect and too plastic. He wasn't re- he didn't come off as real, raw, irrelevant. Even if he was being real, it wasn't believable to the average American. Then you had um, a maverick, and of course the term maverick means that you do your own thing standing against everybody else. So that's a very me mindset, not a we, a we mindset. And then you had a populist preacher. And of course populism means you do what's best for the, the group as a whole. And so 
the Republicans should have picked the populist, the populist preacher, but of course they picked the maverick. So if you put up a, a maverick up against a community organizer in a we cycle, the community organizer is going to win every single time. And so that's what happened. The community organizer and the, the community organizer won. So we, we selected that Obama would win before the primaries, which was a very unpopular thing to pick. We didn't pick it based upon uh, ideology or anything else, but simply based upon what culture and society as a whole wanted. So uh, 2003 to 2013 were the first 10 years in the upswing of the current we cycle. As of 2013, we entered into a 20-year microcycle from 2013 to 2033, again, back to where we were back from 1933 to 1953 of uh, I'm okay, you're screwed up, or the witch hunt cycle. So we are currently heading into a witch hunt cycle. What's interesting is that, that we saw the precursors to this through uh, movies and TV shows. Back in 2006, we saw the release of Dexter. Dexter, of course, is a character who, uh, on Showtime, who uh, was a serial killer who killed other serial killers. I'm okay, you're screwed up. I'm okay as a serial killer, you're not, so I'm going to take you out. You can look at shows like Bra- uh, Breaking Bad uh, or even House of Cards as good examples of this. You also have, you can also look at all three of the uh, the I think his name is Nolan Ryan um, uh, Batman trilogy. The first Batman movie, Batman Begins, we, uh, Bruce, we see Bruce Wayne. His parents have been killed. He's training because he wants revenge. It's all about how he feels and what he wants to do, very me mindset, until the end of the movie when he realizes that he's, realizes that he's got a bigger calling and that he has to use his, his wealth and his skills to, for the betterment of society as a whole, you've got to save Gotham from the, cra- the, the crazy man who wants to blow it up and do what's best for society, not just get the revenge that he's looking for. In the second Batman movie, uh, this is the one where Heath Ledger won the Academy Award for playing Joker. We see the conflict between me versus we. Joker representing me, and uh, of course this is um, the... the, the um, it was called The Dark Knight, I believe. Anyway... Uh, Batman uh, plays the the wee hero who's trying to save the city as a whole. And towards the end of the movie, there's a scene in which um, Joker and Batman are at the top of the building, and Joker has uh, he he's released a chemical throughout the entire city, making everybody crazy. And there are two fairies that have left the city, one with a group of inmates and the other with a group of normal people. And on both boats are bombs. And on the opposite boat is a box with a detonator in it. And what Joker says is, if you don't push this button, I think it was by 8 or 8.30, um, both boats will, will blow up. If you press the button, you'll spare your, your boat and you'll blow up the other boat. And his belief was, as an individual, as a me individualist, that, the, that one boat would, would look after self-preservation and blow the other boat up. And of course, that didn't happen proving the, the we mindset at the end of the the movie um you have bruce wayne who is now dealing with the former city prosecu- prosecutor who was um viewed as um actually uh former city prosecutor who was view- viewed as a hero for the city who's now scarface who's been scarred because uh, in a in a in an accident when, when his um his love was was killed and he's now become a bad guy and instead of letting the city believe that their hero had fallen, Batman takes the blame 
and rides off into the into the darkness as the as the villain of the day. And then, of course, what happens in the third movie is that we see what happens when we goes too far. When we take it too far, it's I'm okay, you're screwed up. It's about witch hunt cycles, and of course, what happens is Bane takes over the city and he um, he locks it down. You can't leave without blowing the entire city up, and you start seeing. Uh, kangaroo courts where the wealthy are brought in and are killed simply for being wealth for, for being wealthy. Uh, so again, this is what happens. When we take way too far. I'm okay. You're screwed up. So really great. We, so we see this in movies. We see this in books. And now we're starting to see this as we move into the the, the next 20 years of, of witch hunt cycles. I'm okay. You're screwed up. Before the previous presidential election in Wisconsin and Minnesota, you saw both of those those local governments shut down. One government had a, a Democratic governor, the other had a Republican governor, but both states had the opposite. The state that had the Republican governor had a Democratic Congress, and the state that had the Democratic governor had a Republican <laughs> Congress, and both states, both parties of both states pointed at the other saying, I'm okay, you're screwed up, we're not going to work together, and literally said, literally said we're, we're good and they're bad. And then, of course, you look at the government shutdown earlier this year, you had the Republicans and the Tea Party saying, "I'm okay. You're screwed up, President. The um, the, the healthcare, the Affordable Healthcare Act is bad. We need to defund it." And of course, you had the President saying, "I'm okay. You're screwed up, Republicans." And we had the government shut down. And so, what we're looking at over the course of the next twenty years, as we move into uh, the, the next ten years, uh, we've got ten more years into the upswing of the of this we cycle before the youth of society starts to reject that and starts to pull us towards the me, the me cycle. One of the reasons why Roy and I wrote the book and had it published and, and are out there actively promoting it is because we want to avoid the worst parts of the we cycle, avoid as much of this witch hunt cycle as possible, to avoid what we did 80 years ago in Europe with Mussolini, Stalin, and Hitler, and to avoid what we Americans did 80 years ago with Japanese intern camps and with the Red Scare with Joseph McCarthy. We want, we want to avoid that. Um, so as yeah. we start to talk about the future, it, it, we, uh, again, politically, it's difficult for us to, to perfectly overlay uh, current politics over the uh, pendulum cycles. Not because they don't fit. They actually do fit very well. But because we're scientists, there aren't enough data points in Western government or the United States to be able to empirically state but it's at least directionally, it appears that our political systems are overlaying the pendulum cycles perfectly. This is true of war. This is true of how we elect people. Additionally, if you look at um, our economics, again, there's not enough data points from an economic standpoint to say perfectly that it overlays the pendulum cycle. But what I can tell you is for the last uh, 240 years, every 80 years, at the exact same point, we've had a depression or a major recession like we're in now. And this, is, and this always happens when we move from me to we during at the end of the transitionary period of time, when we move from me to we. Because what happens is we demand of, of businesses and of our politicians authenticity and transparency in the marketplace. And when we demand that and we see all of this inflation that we've built into the marketplace, we, have a, we, we see um, a recessionary or depressionary thing happen where where we deflate out all of the inflation that's in the market and we go into 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 a depression or recession. Eighty years ago, we had the Great Depression. Yeah. Eighty years before that, um, around the time of the Civil War, right before the Civil War, there was a Great Depression. 
there was a Great Depression right before the American Civil War. So it's been happening for some time that we have a recession or depression that we enter into as we move from me into a we cycle. Beyond uh, this current recession that we're in, I think we've got another uh, five or six years before we fully move out of it. Um, when we hit 1933 uh, and we're, we're, we start seeing alphas emerge in literature and technology, I think we're going to see a rejection of social media and a rejection of a lot of the technology that we're using and that we, that we u- utilize and leverage today. And I think it'll be really interesting okay. to see where we end up uh, 19, uh, 2033 and beyond. Great. Where can we get this book? Uh, the book is available at most major bookstores. You, you can go to Amazon and buy it. Uh, if you'd like to buy it for shipping and handling only, you can go to penduluminaction.com. That's P-E-N-D-U-L-U-M-I-N-A-C-T-I-O-N.com. And if you're willing, I have a, a gift, a free gift that I'm willing to give your, your listeners, if, you, if that would be okay, Brian. Fantastic. The book is called Pendulum. My guest is Michael Drew. And where can we get, you said PendulumInAction.com? PendulumInAction.com. And the free gift can, is at PendulumGift.com. Uh, we, if your, okay. your listeners opt in, they can get the Pendulum presentation, which you saw me give at the Stickability event at PendulumGift.com. That's P-E-N-D-U-L-U-M-G-I-F-T dot C-O-M. PendulumGift.com. That's fantastic. And we are at the end of the show. I do want to thank my very special guest, Michael Drew. His book is called Pendulum. And this is Success Profiles Radio. We are on every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern. You can connect with me on Facebook. I have a fan page, Success Profiles Radio. Please like that page. I'm also on Twitter, at Mr. Brian K. Wright. I'm also on LinkedIn. Please join us next Monday for another amazing episode of Success Profiles Radio, where I interview more successful people in the world. Have a fantastic week. Thanks for joining us today. Have a beautiful week. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Each week,